the the shift of schedule for next week, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into chapter five, First uh, Corinthians five next week, and it's gonna be an interesting topic. But the, as I've been watching uh, myself going through Corinthians, I begin to see there's something about these first four chapters that really are riveting, and that if you get this perspective. Uh, then you'll understand the rest of the book. But the key things that, that Paul is trying to get us to understand is, is that this wisdom that has come from above, this wisdom from the Holy Spirit that's going to give us a basis for, for our security and our, our freedom in Christ, there's, there's, a, there's a connection with the Holy Spirit that's going to make us one and in our agreement and thinking the way he thinks, his worldview becomes our worldview. And then you're going to find this coming into play for the rest of the passage. And there's significant issues that if you don't have this first four chapters down, you're going to really misinterpret the rest of the book. And so as I got into this passage, I'm thinking one, one more time I want to go back into and see one thing to take this kind of like a prism and turn it so that you can see something that that Paul sees in the scriptures and be his disciple. Uh, last week I mentioned that Jonathan Edwards quote that truth is the agreement of our ideas with the ideas of God. And I added my own version, I, I paraphrased it, that wisdom is the agreement of our values with the values of God, and then that love would be the agreement of our spirits with the Spirit of God. So there's lots going on, but the key word there was agreement. <clears throat> I'd add one more this week. Church is where that agreement grows. And there's something that takes place in this community that's that's the redemptive community where God is trying to restore back to the original image of creation in Eden that this becomes the redeemed community this becomes the the image bearing community and the difference is for Paul that the way you get there is not to argue or persuade or try to win the conflict because it's not about conflict that you grow. It's about this contrast. And when you see the difference, it's not about trying to muscle your way in or having positions and argue. And It's about getting to this point where you are in line with the Holy Spirit. And so last week I mentioned at the end that the Holy Spirit wants something for you and for me. His intent is to help you get to know Jesus Christ in such a way that you have fellowship, a personal, intimate worship on a daily basis, that you're abiding in that relationship where the reality of Christ, the reality of the Christian life is not just to do, but is to be God's man and God's woman. To learn to live with that mind of Christ, the master teacher wants you as a disciple to follow him, and that in that course of learning Jesus' thinking, you begin to think, well, what a privilege it is to be a Christian. Oh, what a, if I didn't know Christ, where would I be today? I'd really be lost. I'd really be lost. But 
But not only would he share these things with us, but he gives us these lessons so that we can share with one another. And that what you're going through may be the very thing that somebody else needs to hear, and that you may be going through things to help somebody else go through things. And so the comfort which you get from the Holy Spirit, you are able to comfort other people who are going through the same things. There's a lot going on in this passage. But to know that the Holy Spirit wants us to stop feeding the flesh, and to start loving in the Holy Spirit, to participate in this kingdom community that respects and follows spirit-led servants and leaders, to put the wisdom of the world in perspective, that you understand how the devil is going to use these things to kind of be in opposition to the very thing that God wants you to to enjoy, because the flesh will set its desires against the spirit, and the spirit will set his desires against the flesh. Therefore, there's got to be a tension. There's going to be a tension there. But for us as believers, we understand that those who are of the flesh will never know, they will never know the wisdom or the power of God, and they will never by the flesh able to change the flesh and be free to love God, self, and others. Therefore, know this, that the Holy Spirit wants you to be secure, confident, comfortable in the very overwhelming grace that's yours in Christ. Because that's the message of the cross. He died to give you this rich experience of a new life in Christ. And therefore, you're not going to figure this out on your own. That's why we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, so that that same spirit who created us and the same spirit who created all these riches will bring them together so that we understand and agree with the truth, the wisdom, and the love that Christ has for us. And so by putting our confidence in the wisdom of God, we speak differently. We speak with the wisdom as mature people taught by the Spirit. We put our confidence that this revelation is the truth that you can go to the bank on. You can put your whole life on this thing. You can walk comfortably in a fallen world knowing the one who knows you. And so as I thought about this and think about the tension, uh, my conversations this week are a number of people I ran into. But their, their concept of, of Christianity is more about, I have to shape up. I've got to get my life in order. God is going to help me deal with my addictions. God is going to help me get out of prison. God is going to help me go through. And so it's not about resolving your problems, like Larry had mentioned before. But instead of seeing Christianity is out to help you improve your life, it's a self-improvement. Tony, Tony Robbins, uh, kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps and be a better person, be all that you can be kind of thing. It's, it's not about you changing you, though that happens. It's more about this idea that you change or you are being changed in the way you relate. And therefore, it's about serving, being other-centered, loving God and neighbor through love, 
And that relationship is the message that changes. It's how you relate to people differently. It's not the fact that you're different. It's how you relate differently. And therefore, if you are to call yourself a Christian and you believe, as we do believe in the Trinity, the one fact that jumps out us jumps out at us in the Trinity is that our God is a relational God. You are called into relationship, into fellowship, into <clears throat> a friendship. And if you believe in the Trinity, that's what you believe, that you, you are in a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but not everybody knows that. And the Corinthians didn't know that. And so part of the job is that the, the gifting of the church, the pastors and, the <clears throat> and others, the teachers, are given for equipping the saints for the work of service. What is that work of service? It's the building up of the body of Christ. It's the renewing of the spirits of, of God's people. And therefore, you need tools to do that. You may not have the tools. The Corinthians didn't have the tools. And therefore, as you get into this, remember what <clears throat> Paul would say, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. Now, the King James says brethren. I don't know if it says cisterns. But it says brothers. But it says brothers and sisters. Now, notice it says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all of you agree with one another in what you say. There's a, relate, there's a connection. There's a communication. That you're saying the same thing. And it says that there be no divisions among you. But this phrase caught me again. I went back. It says that you be not just united in mind, perfectly united. Perfectly. you got to be kidding. In mind and thought. It's kind of like that phrase, you get <clears throat> three Jewish people together, you get ten opinions. You get Christians together, same thing. You To be perfectly in, there's... <laughs> Do you get what this says? To be so much in tune with one another that the Spirit of God in you is the same Spirit in me and that there's an agreement, an understanding, a connection, a fellowship that is just unusually uh, a high calling. Now, but this is what it says. Again, look at these three words I've highlighted, that you agree no divisions, perfectly united. Does that characterize the American church? Different translations say it this way. Be perfectly united in mind and thought, united in the same mind and the same judgment, ESV. Perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment, the New American Standard. Now, I went back and I had... I did my little logo study that these three things, agree, no division, and be complete. If you look in the Greek, it doesn't say there, uh, in the third line down, it says, no divisions among you, but that you be made complete. It doesn't say there's nothing for made and nothing for you. It's just... It's like there's a complete, there's everything, everything you need is there in Christ. And because you are of the same mind, you already have it if you are made 
Something is happening to you. It's a passive, we're in a passive position. The work is done on you so that you are in agreement. How is that work done? That's a work of the Holy Spirit. And that when the Spirit of God baptizes a believer, there's something that takes place, new predispositions, new inclinations, new desires that says because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are a new creation. And what takes place in your spirit takes place in other people's spirits. But it means you are taught as a disciple. But the question with the Corinthians, they weren't, they weren't in agreement. And so something was going on here. Why? Why weren't they in agreement? Well, the answer is that they were arrogant. And they were arguing. And if you have arguments and arrogance, know that's not the Spirit of God in the community of God's people. So mark this because you're going to get into this differences coming up. 1 Corinthians 4.16 Some of you have become arrogant. Didn't list them by name, but he certainly says, in the church, there are people who think they know it all. Two, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, so that you may learn from us to not go beyond what is written. Here's what's written. Somebody says, no, let's add more to it. And that's going to create dissension. That you will not take pride in one man over another. They were doing that. They liked celebrity pastors. They liked, they liked pref, uh, preferred to learn from this guy and not from that guy. 2 Corinthians 12, 2, For I am afraid that when I come to you, Paul writes, that you, I will find you not as I wish, and I fear that there will be quarreling, jealousy, rage, rivalry, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Now, that... That one-mindedness, that judgment, that same thought, that unity, that completed unity, <clears throat> is what Jesus talked about. That when you are a disciple of Christ, following in Christ in the parables that we were talking about in Sunday school, that Jesus is your focus. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after, 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 he has been fully trained. It means that you're not completely fully trained yet if you are in arguments and arrogance and you don't have the mind of Christ. It means that you're not like your teacher. So something's going on with the Corinthians. And what Paul wanted to say is that the Spirit of God wants you to think about the fellow believers and the leaders the way that Jesus thinks about the believers and the fellow leaders. So when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, after all, what is Apollos and what is Paul? They are servants through. That means you've got to be in connection. You've got to know these guys. But it's through these fellow believers. Now notice what it says. You came to believe. That means that when you, Christian, talk with another Christian, you have an ability, an opportunity to increase the faith of each other. And so Paul says, you've got to understand 
Each one of us has a place in the church. Each one of us has a task in the church. So I planted the seed. I'm just a seed planter. Apollos comes along. Apollos is a seed waterer. But God has been the one making it grow. And if that's your understanding, then you understand these positions in a different light. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. So get that in your mind. God is the one that makes things grow. But the problem with the Corinthians church, they didn't know that. They didn't know that. They were looking to be affiliated with this guy because he's successful or he's a more skilled speaker. Or, but they didn't want to be affiliated with Paul. Some of them said, I don't want to, Paul's too rough. Paul's too something. And so there was a tension about Paul or some of the others. But the Corinthians had not yet matured in understanding this mature concept of the church. No, dot, 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 include us as well. Because understanding what that church is, is really what Paul's all about. <clears throat> what is the church? What is the church? It is that Christian community that has responded to a calling of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, that spirit that hovers over broken men and women who believe in Jesus' Death and resurrection brings new life. These were the friends of Christ. These were the ones, friends really, friends. They wanted to be with Jesus because they wanted to be with Jesus. Devoted men and women who were touched and restored, saved and sanctified. But they came to understand that Jesus is just out to save their souls. It's done. He's out to redeem and create a whole new humanity, and it's called the church. The Corinthians had not yet developed this concept of how the Holy Spirit works in the church. They would come, Paul would later teach, but he says that you are one body. You are a collection. You are a whole community of the Spirit, and therefore one body with many parts. Now, nobody's excluded from that fellowship. And nobody's excluded from participating and being healed or restoring others. No one is to be regarded more highly than any other, no matter how talented or how gifted or what background they come from. It is God's people coming together, living together, caring and growing together, celebrating and growing in the Spirit together. So Christianity, the church, it's not an organization. It's not a philosophy. It's not a moral code. It's not a, a, a doctrine or just buildings or creeds. It's brothers and sisters. We are the church. Repeat that. Who? Who is the church? We are the church. We are the church. And this is what we teach in Kairos. We teach them that they are, you are part of the church no matter what your position. If you're in prison or out of prison, if you're a free man or a slave, male, female, God through his spirit adopts every single person he calls. And he says, to all who received the Son, to them they give the right to become children of God. 
John 1.12. And through that same spirit, he changes us so that we can tell our story how Christ called us into the family as you tell your story about your salvation. And so we begin to learn, don't we, that we can trust God, yes, and then move towards other people. We begin to learn what love and honor and trust in others and what forgiveness is, and we start with the little things, and then bigger ones come along. Likewise, we become people who other people trust, and other people in honor, and other people want to be with, because we end up touching and and connecting in ways that's only marked by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it's the love of Christ that draws us together. It's the love of Christ that gives us the freedom to share freely our personality, not being preoccupied with who we are, but being preoccupied with giving who I am to you. And therefore, Jesus would say it this way, a new commandment I give to you. Now, notice that commandment. It's not like Moses. Moses said, I want you to love one another as you do unto others as you do unto yourself. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not about yourself. Christ takes it up several notches. And he says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. My love is the standard, not your standard. My love, my grace, my agape. Why? 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 Get that. So, you must love one another. In other words, the Spirit of God, if he loves you, it's going to be extended out to those whom he loves. So, that you love one another. And by this love, as extension to the body of Christ, others will know that you are my disciples. If You love one another. Now the problem with the Corinthians, they weren't loving one another. They were fighting each other. They were putting each other down. A new commandment I give to you. And so they thought this way. Well, just trust me and ignore the others. Work on loving yourself as I loved you and just keep it to yourself. Because you're okay. My Jesus, my Savior. It's a silo Christian. But... Jesus, they think, you and I are connected, Jesus, so it's all that matters. It's all that matters. No, no, no. A new command. So you must love one another. Now, this is entirely different, entirely different thinking, that his spiritual presence would be at once realized in relationships. And if somebody hasn't loved you this week in the church, then they are not listening to the Spirit. If you have not loved people this week, you are not listening to the Spirit. If you don't understand how to appreciate your brothers and sisters in the Christ, you are listening to a worldly spirit or some other spirit or self-centered spirit, but it's not the new command spirit. Because in the truest sense, when the church is called, in the truest sense, the Holy Spirit is present and at work. Even as I have loved you, after the manner that Jesus loved, we loved graciously, unconditionally, pursuing, taking the initiative, not waiting for somebody to call or complaining that they don't. There's a deep intensity 
in that call. It's a manner of his love. It's the motive of his love that moves us. I loved you that you may love those whom I love. Jude said it this way. Remember what Terry read? Dear friends, look among yourselves. Who are your best friends? Are your best friends Christians? Your best friend should be the only... You can get good friends in Kiwanis, good friends in Boy Scouts, good friends in the bowling alley, good friends in, in the bikers club, but they won't have the same spirit because they won't deal with the issue of forgiveness or grace or mercy or eternal values. They won't think. But Jude says, my dear friends, remember those apostles of our Lord. They said in the last times there will be scoffers. These men who don't have the spirit guiding their urges and impulses will go ahead and attack you, dear friends. But by building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves focused on that love. That love means that you're connected. You can't be an individual Christian. You're kind of like the auto parts store that's got all these parts on the racks. But they don't make a car. You can't get into those parts and drive them away. The body of Christ does move when all the church is lined with the Spirit and moves in relationship. Therefore, if you're following the Spirit, don't listen to these foolish and stupid arguments. Why? Because you know that's not from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, how do you regard, how do you regard Apollos? How do you regard Paul? How do you regard any individual in the church? Paul says it in chapter 4, this is how you are to regard us. We are servants and stewards. We're just the go-to guy, but we're not the one that causes the growth. We're servants. Don't elevate us. Don't elevate me. I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And I'm just one of, like you, my gifts are different, but your gifts are different. But we're all called and we stand before the cross at street level. We all go into the kingdom the same way. We are all equally receptors of the grace that denarii at the end of the day. God is good to all of us. And so Paul would go on to say, don't judge me. Don't misjudge me. I don't even judge myself. Even though there's no problem going on in my life, I don't think I'm, I'm acquitted. I'm free. I'm, don't have a I am before the Spirit of God, and if the Spirit of God wants to judge my conscience at any time, he opens my eyes, and my attention is to him. And if I'm doing that and you're doing that, then all of us are working and listening to the Spirit of God and that he exposes the motives of our hearts. So as we understand the way that God was working in the Corinthians, they were trying to substitute a weakened, compromised gospel, a particular social club that they could belong to, and they were destroying the kingdom community that God wanted. Therefore, Paul would say, look, here's our foundation in Christ. And if you build on that foundation with the wisdom from the world or the wisdom from the flesh, you're going to miss the Holy Spirit. 
The call for you, Christian, and the call for me is that we understand that God wants you in a group, in a fellowship, in a friendship, like Jesus had the 12 disciples together. They were not just one by one, not a counseling session. It was just it's not group therapy. It was, it was a community of the redeemed. When one is gathered with the body of Christ, that is the church. Who is the church? We are the church. There are no lone rangers in the community. There are no lone wolves. And the isolated Christian is a paralyzed, handicapped, blind, miserable Christian because they're missing out in this rich fellowship. Therefore, the independent Christian, hear this, is an immature Christian. And it's the mature Christians who want to come alongside and understand if there's conflict or misunderstanding, it's okay. Because the Spirit of God will use that conflict to draw us into his, his love. People will know we're a Christian, not by our freedom from our problems, or freedom from our conflicts, but how we treat each other in the midst of those conflicts. So bring the compassion and bring the grace. They didn't understand that. They had to learn that, as most pagan churches do, because they're bringing in the old patterns. Well, as we go into this, you understand that Paul is saying that when you get into real serious issues that are coming up, sexuality, and they were arguing over how to treat the people. How about litigious relationships? I'm going to take you to court. How about misrepresenting Christ at the Last Supper? They're not respecting or honoring the brothers. But all these things are coming in. And if you're born again by grace and you're forgiven by the Savior, if you're renewed by the Word and reformed by the Spirit, then you begin to grow and reflect that image. That image is in those relationships, and that's where the transformation takes place. Let me close this by saying this. Over and over again, you'll see this emphasis about one another, one another among yourselves, so that other people will be enjoying Christ through you as you touch other people in Christ. Well, as you do that, let me encourage you to get into the Scriptures. And as God teaches you, you pass on what the Spirit of God teaches you. That if you can really understand how God is at work in your life and tell your story, then the connection and the ministry and the growth of the body will continue to grow. Who is the church? What is the Spirit of God doing in the church? It's building you up to be better lovers of each other and better lovers of God. That's what the world needs to see, how we handle this conflict. And he does that one by one, where two or three are gathered together. Not one, but two or three. So you're called into fellowship. So when we look to receive you next week as a member, we receive friends. That's what we do. Let's close the word of prayer. Father, thank you that your word is your word. It is the way of the Spirit. And how much we need to listen and pay attention 
and get ourselves out of the way. Father, take these words as you've given them to us and make them understand them in such a way that we really do have this experience of, of the new redeemed church that really touches people's lives. Again, we praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.